morning. Happy Sabbath. Brother Jeff couldn't be here today. He Jeff said that I got a call early in the morning, and uh, Jeff said he had a bacterial infection, and somehow poor Alina caught it, and he felt that uh, he might have to take her to uh, urgent care this morning. So keep them in your prayer uh, for sure. Okay. So. Um, I was going to do a sermon October 22nd, so in a pinch, I got up early this morning and, and raced through this, <laughs> and hopefully they'll pray for me a little bit, okay? But it's pretty much done, but it's, it would probably be as polished as I normally would like it, so at this time, if you don't mind, I'm just going to uh, have a quick prayer before I begin. Dearly Father, I just want to ask you that you please be with me right now as I present your message, because there's nothing that I have to present of myself. Everything is from the Word. And from the spirit of prophecy, Lord, prepare my heart, prepare my mind, give me clear thought. I also ask that you prepare the people's hearts today, that you may that they may receive your word as well. And we just thank you for your great love and your great mercy and your great sacrifice. Please be with Jeff and Lena. May you heal Alina and also heal Jeff. And may they also uh, have a nice Sabbath and everything works out good for them. And, and be with all the people that are in Florida, all the disaster. Those poor people down there. Please, we ask that wherever, not all, not just all the people, but this are the Sabbath-keeping people too. Not just in Florida, but in South Carolina and the other areas that were hit. We ask that you please be with them, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Okay. So, in um. The last time I preached, I did a sermon called The Greatest Battle. And uh, some of you might remember it. Some of you might have been here. Some of you may not have been here. And uh, so this today is The Greatest Battle Part 2. But you can't really do The Greatest Battle Part 2, uh, something I did virtually a month ago. And you may not remember everything. So I'm going to kind of cover some things, kind of go over the, great, uh, the, uh, the Greatest Battle Part 1. And then we'll go into the greatest battle part two, which is I really wanted to go farther and deeper in the subject last time, but time just wouldn't allow it. And it's, it's a subject that affects each and every one of us. So in the last time, you might remember that uh, the worst thing about any war that's fought in the, in the world is obviously the loss of life. Husbands, fathers, you think of Russia right now, children, wives, aunts, uncles. I mean, war is tragic, and it brings forth death. Uh, in World War II, we learned last time that 85 million people died as a result of that war alone in World War II. That's a, just a tremendous amount of people. But there's another war going on right now in which each and every one of us are involved in it. Whether you like it or not, whether you want to or not, you're involved in this war as well as I am. And this war that you're in, that more people will die as a result of this war than any other war that has ever been fought in this planet. And this war has been going on ever since the fall of Adam and Eve. The Spirit of Prophecy tells us that the warfare against self is the greatest battle that was ever fought. So we're not battling, uh, we are battling external foes, as you know. But the greatest battle is not so much from them. The greatest battle is from within ourselves, and that's what we're told. We're told that the warfare against self is the greatest battle that was ever fought, and this is where the battle comes in. The yielding of self, the surrendering all to the will of God, requires a struggle, but the soul must submit to God, 
before it can be renewed in holiness. So in this war that we have with ourselves, there's this struggle that's going on. That's found in Steps to Christ, page 43. Friends, millions of people will be lost in this war against self because the Bible says that people love sin more than they are lovers of God. And that's really what it's going to come down to in this battle, which each and every one of us individually. So I'm just going to kind of race through this a little bit. We learned last time that even Moses chose to suffer the afflictions with the people of God rather than to what? Enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ's greater riches. You see, there is a pleasure in sin, we must admit it. There is a pleasure in sin. Uh, unfortunately, it's a very deceptive uh, uh, pleasure. The Bible makes it abundantly clear that this, there is a pleasure in sin, but it only lasts for a what? A season. In a span of eternity, our lifespan in eternity is a very small, minute amount of time. And so, yes, we can enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, but that's it. That's over with. It's not worth enjoying pleasures of sin and giving up eternal life and eternal bliss. And so here's the battle which you must fight. is a fight against self. It's a fight between you and your flesh. For the Bible says that the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit wars against the flesh. That's found in Galatians chapter 5 verse 17. So you see that there is this war going on inside of us between the flesh and the spirit. Now some people might think that the spirit here is the Holy Spirit. This is not the spirit, the Holy Spirit that the Bible is talking about. It's talking about the spirit of the person. You remember Paul was battling uh, with the spirit because Paul himself wanted to keep God's law, but he couldn't. I will show you, I'll give you some examples of what I mean that the flesh or the spirit does not always mean the Holy Spirit, okay? So we're told now something, and this is, uh, um, let me see here. Let me go to, there it is. Did I have it here? Did I mess up? There it is, okay. So it says, uh, Paul said that after these things were ended, Paul purposed in his spirit when he had passed through Macedonia saying, after I have been there, I also must see Rome. So here Paul is purposed in his heart that he needed to go to Rome. It wasn't the Holy Spirit. It was his spirit. It was his attitude. It was what he wanted to do. And follow up on the top one there, Acts 17, 16. Now while Paul waited for them at Athens... His spirit was stirred in him when he saw that the city was wholly given to idolatry. So obviously he was very discouraged. Paul's spirit, it's his, his, his attitude. And when you go into Romans chapter 7, Paul talks about this battle between the flesh and the spirit. The spirit isn't the Holy Spirit here. Because if it was a battle with the Holy Spirit, who would win? The Holy Spirit, right? So what was this battle? Paul was wanting to keep God's law, but he can't. So Paul's attitude is, I want to keep the law. That's what it's meant by the Spirit. And it's just important that we understand that. So with the correct understanding of the Spirit, let's read Romans chapter 7, verses 12 and 23. Just knowing that, okay? There really is no better example of this eternal battle against the flesh than what the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 7. So we read, uh, the law is holy, this is Paul speaking, the law is holy and the commandment is holy, and it is just as good and good. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am cardinal under sin, sold under sin. 
For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would not, that I do. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more that I do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I know that it is in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. I hope we've all come to that realization. For to will is present with me. That's his spirit. He wants to keep it. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, is no more that I do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law, it's really important that you pay, understand this. Again, I'm just, this is over the greatest battle part one that we did. I find then a law within my flesh, he's talking about, that when I would do good, when I, I want to do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law. In my members, I mean in his body. And what's it doing? It's warring. There's this war. It's warring against the law of my mind. And bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. So you see, there's a law. There's a law of God, and there's the law of the flesh. And it's warring with what you want to do, which is wanting to keep God's law. And so it's very important that we understand that in this battle... In this struggle, it happens in the mind. It happens in the mind. The battlefield is the mind. Paul says, I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my member, in my body, warred against the law of my what? Of my mind. And bringing me into captivity to the law of sin. So there's a law of sin. There's a law of God, and there's a law of sin. And Paul, in his great despair, realizes that he's held captive to this law of sin and death in his flesh. He's held captive to the law of the flesh. And poor Paul, he just cries out because he wants to keep God's law. He knows that we need to keep God's law. And Paul cries out, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death, from the law of the flesh which is in his body? And he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You see, Jesus is the answer to this captivity of giving in or following the law of the flesh that Paul couldn't break free from. We have a deliverer from the law, the law of sin, the flesh. We have a deliverer from having to give in to the flesh and sin. For the Bible says that Jesus condemned sin in the flesh when he died on the cross. He condemned the sin in the flesh, the flesh that we're warring against. Therefore, Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, Therefore is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but who walk after the Spirit. In this case, we're talking the Holy Spirit. Okay? For the law of the Spirit, here's the other law, the law of God, the law of sin and death. For the law of the Spirit... Of life in Christ Jesus have made me what? Free from the law of sin and death, you see? For what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God sent in his own son and the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, or if you will, because of sin, condemned sin in the flesh. And he did that by living a righteous life. That the righteousness, this is the end result what God is looking for, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. How? By just accepting Jesus as our Savior? No. He says, how? By those who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. 
the spirit. So there's something that we need to do in this war, this battle with the flesh. So we've been set free. Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. And Galatians 1 4 says, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. How? Again, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. I read that again just for emphasis. That's huge. We're set free. We no longer have to obey the dictates of the law of the flesh and sin and death. By how? Through Christ, in Christ, and by how? Walking after the Spirit. Did you notice there's something that Paul tells us? That the righteousness of the law might what? Might be. Might be. There's something for us to do. Might be fulfilled in us. And then he tells us again. Who will, who will have the righteousness of the law fulfilled in them? It will only be those who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Amen. It's important that we see that. There is something in our life that we need to do. We need to walk in the spirit and the law and be under the law of the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. How? By those who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Again, I just read this again for emphasis. We need to walk after the spirit. Amen. Amen. If we're not walking after the spirit, are we going to go to heaven? No. If we're going to continue walking in the flesh and minding the things of the flesh and obeying the lusts of the flesh, we, we can't go to heaven. We need to walk in the Spirit. It is very important that we understand that Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death, that if we choose to walk after the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and not after the flesh, it's something that we need to really understand as Seventh-day Adventists. Just understanding the doctrinal truths that we have is not enough. You can understand all the doctrinal truths that we have. You can know what the mark of the beast is. You can know that the papacy and all that is the mark, is the beast of, of Bible revelation. We can know all the truths that we know, but if you're not walking in the Spirit and living in the Spirit, none of those things are going to matter. We're not saved doctrinally. Amen. But those doctrines are important. We find a peace and a rest in those doctrines, such as the state of the dead and know the truth about hell and those things. There's a peace. I'm not downplaying those doctrines. Those doctrines are huge. Just don't let us fall into a false sense of security, thinking that we're saved if we're still living in the flesh, because we're in great danger. Paul tells us in Romans 8, verses 12 through 14, Therefore, brethren, we are not debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh, for if you live after the flesh, you shall what? Die. You shall die. But if you through the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, do mortify. And the word mortify is the old English word means to put away. The deeds of the body, which is the flesh, you shall what? Live. live. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Amen? Amen. It's very clear. There's a choice set before us. We can choose to live in the flesh and mind of the things of the flesh, but the result will be death. Or we can choose the mind of the things of the spirit and walk in the spirit, and the end result will be life. It's very simple. But yeah, it doesn't seem like we really talk enough about the Holy Spirit, do we? We really need to talk a little bit more. Therefore, it's absolutely clear that we can choose to put away sin through the Holy Spirit. 
or we, or we can or we can continue to walk in the flesh. Really, there's a decision. It's up to us. And this is where this battle lies within our mind, the battlefield. Ellen White tells us the same thing as Paul says. No surprise in there, right? In Desire of Ages, page 671, Ellen White tells us that sin could be resisted and overcome only through the mighty agency of the third person of Godhead, right? The Holy Spirit, who would come with no modified energy, but in the fullness of divine power. It is the Spirit that makes effectual what has been wrought out by the world's Redeemer. It is by the Spirit that the heart is made through or pure. It is through the Spirit the believer becomes a partaker of the divine nature. Christ has given his Spirit as a divine power to overcome all hereditary and cultivated tendencies to evil and impress his character upon the church. So one thing is abundantly clear. Paul makes it clear is through the Spirit. The Spirit of prophecy makes it clear that victory comes through the Spirit. So the answer to our sin problem is the Holy Spirit, and we need to walk in the Spirit, and we need to mind the things of the Spirit. So again, just for emphasis, we've learned that there's three laws. There's the law of God, there's the law of the flesh, and there's the law of the Spirit. And it's very interesting that we know that the flesh can't keep God's law, can it? Because the flesh is what? Is it carnal or spiritual? It's carnal. So a carnal person can't keep a spiritual law because he's not spiritual. Therefore, we need the Holy Spirit through the Holy Spirit to keep God's law. I hope that makes some sense. The Bible tells us in Romans 8, 12, and verse 13, again, for emphasis, if you live after the flesh, you will die. But if you through the Holy Spirit put away the deeds of the body, you will live. So it all comes down to our decision, right? When you accept Jesus, you don't automatically walk in the Spirit. Amen. You're no longer automatically minding the things of the Spirit. There's a choice. There's a choice that God has given us. From again, Romans 8, verses 5 through 6. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit do mind the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. You're an enemy of God as long as we live in the flesh. And walk in the flesh. And mind the things of the flesh. For it is not subject to the law of God, which we know is spiritual. And neither could a person in the flesh ever keep God's law. Neither could they ever keep it. Amen? Amen. Again, Romans 8, verses 8 and 9. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Again, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. So having the Holy Spirit in your life is extremely important. Amen. Without Jesus' death on the cross, there would be no Holy Spirit. Amen. Because of Jesus' death on the cross... So there's a, there's a justification and there's a sanctification. When, Jesus, when we accept Jesus, he takes our sin. He takes our death and he gives us our life. Justification. But then, that's only half of the salvation, right? We need to be sanctified. And he gives us his Holy Spirit to sanctify us. And now we need to walk in the Spirit and mind the things of the Spirit so he can change us. That's full victory. That's complete salvation. So a God, so again, God has given us a choice. 
We can live under the law of the Spirit and therefore choose the mind of the things of the Spirit. Or we can choose, um, really I should say, or we can choose to walk in the flesh. We can continue to live under the law of the flesh and walk under the flesh and mind of the things of the flesh. So it really all comes down again. There's a choice that we make. And how often do you think we have to make that? It's a daily thing. It won't be a one-time decision. It's an everyday decision. It's a minute-by-minute decision. When you wake up in the morning, when you go to bed, you should be praying for the Holy Spirit. God, I need your Holy Spirit to help me. And we need to surrender ourselves. We'll get more into that. So now we're going to go into a little bit about this is the great... The greatest battle part, too, that I wanted to go a little bit deeper in than I did last time. That the battlefield we already know is in the mind. This war that's happening is in our mind. That's where the battle happens. Decisions are made in the mind. So when the Bible of Spirit Prophecy talks about the heart, it's really talking about the mind. We are told in Mount of Blessings, page 141, that the field of conflict, which that's already talking about a battle, right? The field of conflict is the domain of the heart. The battle which we have to fight, the greatest battle that was ever fought by man is the surrender of self to the will of God. What is your will? Your will is your decision, right? So every day we need to make a decision. Are we going to walk after the spirit and do God's way? Or are we going to walk after the flesh and do the fleshly way? Now listen to this this quote in Steps of Christ, page 43 and 44. The whole heart, we're talking about the mind, must be yielded to God. Or the change could never be wrought in us by which we are restored to his likeness. God desires to heal us, to set us free from sin and everything that we're dealing with. But since this requires an entire transformation, would you agree there's an entire transformation here? When you're walking in the Spirit and minding the things of the Spirit? A renewing of the whole nature. We must yield ourselves wholly to Him. The warfare against self is the greatest battle that was ever fought. The yielding of self, surrendering all to the will of God requires a struggle. There's that battle. But the soul must submit to God before it can be renewed in holiness. He, God, invites us to give ourselves to Him. That he may work in us, and it remains for us to what? Choose. It remains for us to choose whether we will be set free from the bondage of sin to share the glorious liberty of the sons of God and daughters of God. In giving ourselves to God, we must necessarily give up all that would separate us from him. Hence the Savior says, Whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, Cannot be my disciple. And that's what he's talking about. Forsaking the flesh. The mining of the things of the flesh. Walking in the flesh. That's what he's talking. You need to give those things up. Whatever shall draw away the heart from God. Must be given up. We cannot be half the Lord's. And half the world's. We are not God's children. Unless we are such entirely. So this is going to cost. An entire surrender of ourselves. If we want to go to the kingdom. Paul makes it clear that, again, that this battle happens in the mind. As I already read earlier, I see another law of my member warring against the law of my mind. And it should be no surprise, then, that this struggle would happen where? In the mind, right? Notice what the spirit of prophecy tells us. So, when this thought comes into your mind, there's something we need to do right away. 
We can continue thinking about the thought, the evil thought that, uh, that really appeals to the flesh. But that's going to lead you down a very dark path. Or we can reject the thought. It really has to happen instantly. An impure thought tolerated. An unholy desire cherished and the soul is contaminated. It's integrity compromised. Then, when lust has conceived, when you've allowed it to dwell and it's gone, it's now seated within your heart, it bringeth forth sin. And when sin is conceived, it bringeth forth death. If we would not commit sin, it's very important, if we would not commit sin, we must shun its very beginnings. Right when a thought comes to our imagination, comes to our mind. We have to reject it right away. Every emotion and desire must be held in subjection to reason and conscience. It's up to you. Every unholy thought must be instantly repelled. Instantly. Is it safe to venture on Satan's ground? When we venture on Satan's ground in thought or imagination, guess what? He's got full control. You're his puppet. And you will fulfill the loss of the flesh. You've got a little bit of time. You've got a few fleeting seconds. It must be instantly rejected when those thoughts come into your mind. We are told when a fleshy thought or imagination comes into the mind, that we are told that we reject the thought instantly. <clears throat> this is where the struggle comes in. And this is what we must do when we engage in the battle. And that's why we needed to go the greatest battle part two. What do we do when these things come to our mind? What do we do when these things do? We need to reject the thought instantly. The Spirit of Prophecy tells us in Heavenly Places, page 164, if a wrong thought, if a, as thoughts are wrong, the feelings will be wrong. We're also told in Upper Look, never forget that thoughts work out actions. So when sin comes to your mind, if you don't reject it right away, what's going to happen? The feelings are going to kick in. Emotions are going to kick in. Sometimes hormones are released. And when those kick in, it's really hard to resist them. And then when they kick in, we're going to have actions. And we're told in the spirit of prophecy that repeated action becomes our character. And character determines our destiny. So it's super, super important what we do with this thought. This means that when sin enters the battlefield of mind in the form of thought or imagination, if we do not resist, engage in the battle... The sin will produce feelings, and feeling will cause us to have actions, meaning we will give in to sin. So then how important is our thoughts then in this battle? It's extremely important. We should never forget this. I pray that we don't just walk out of here and after today forget about these things. I'm quoting Bible and spirit of prophecy. These are not my words. Very serious, very serious things. In heavy places 164, the power of right thought is more precious than a golden wedge of offal, than a big pile of gold, okay? We need to place a high value upon the right control of our thoughts. The Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. Our improvement in moral purity, then, depends on right thinking and right acting. Every evil thoughts destroy the soul. And unless a determined effort is made to keep the thoughts centered upon Christ, Christ, grace, grace cannot refill itself in the life. The mind, where the warfare is, the mind must engage in the spiritual what? Warfare. And what is she telling us? 
It's the thoughts that we need to we need to we need to act upon right away. Every thought must be brought into captivity, surrendered to Christ, to the obedience of Christ. Amen. So as you can see, you can mind the things of the flesh, or you can choose to mind the things of the spirit. You can choose to be spiritually minded, or you can continue to be fleshly minded. It's really up to us. Now our thoughts come to us two ways, which I don't have to go into the first way, because we already talked about what Paul had to say. We know it's through inheritance, and sometimes cultivated tendencies. We have born with these things, and we have also created all new ones that will get passed on to the next generation. So we're already told what we're to do with those thoughts. But also we're told, did you know that Satan can also suggest thoughts and thoughts and feelings? We're told in second character, or second mind character and personality, page 432, there are thoughts and feelings suggested and aroused by Satan that annoy even the best of men. But if they are not cherished, if they are repulsed as hateful, that's up to you, the soul is not contaminated with guilt and no other is defiled by their influence. So don't feel bad. Sometimes we get these evil thoughts that come in our mind. How many of you have had evil thoughts? I'll tell you what, I've had satanic thoughts come into my mind. And I bet you if you're honest, a lot of you might have had too. Thoughts that I can't even believe that have come into my mind. And I know that these are just Satan suggesting these thoughts. But we can reject them, right? We can do it. By God, through God, through Christ. And I don't want to picture here that there's anything that we can do just by choosing, right? Because can the Ethiopian change his skin? Can the leopard change his spots? We can do nothing without Christ, okay? I'm not saying just because you're going to reject a thought, it's like something that you've done now, and all of a sudden your heart's going to be changed. Because it's through the what? The Holy Spirit. It's nothing that we do. I'm not talking about any kind of works here. But there's a reason why God needs you to act. Because when you act, you're showing your will. You're, you're letting God know what you decide. We are told, again, Second Mind Character Personalities 595, that we all are free moral agents. And as such, they must bring their thoughts to run and right channel. If Satan, divert, if Satan seeks to divert the mind... From the slow and sensual things, bring it back again and place it on internal things. Now pay attention to this, it's really important. And when the Lord sees the determined effort made to retain only pure thoughts, he will do what? He will attract the mind like a magnet and purify the thoughts, enable them to cleanse themselves from every secret sin. How? By rejecting the thought and leaning on Christ, right? It's through Christ that it happens. And then Christ will cast down the imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and listen to this and bring it into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Amen? That's a promise. Is God a liar? Will God do what he says? If we cooperate with God in the plan of salvation and reject thoughts depending on him, will he do it? If we reject evil thoughts and choose them, choose by surrendering our will to God and choose the mind of things of the Spirit and walking in the Spirit and ask God to give us the Holy Spirit, will He give it to us? You better believe He will. There's nothing more than God wants to do is save each and every one of us. There's no doubt about that. And surrendering your will to God, you must be, a, uh, your will must be accompanied by actions. And this is a very important thing because a lot of people don't understand 
that when we, just like faith, you know, faith without works is what? Dead, right? I mean, if Peter wanted to walk on water when Jesus said, come on, Peter, you can walk on water, and, Jesus, and Peter just sat there on the shore and goes, I believe, I believe, but he wouldn't get up and walk on the water, did he really believe? No, no he didn't believe. It's the same thing with your will. You're all here today because you woke up this morning and you said, I'm going to go to church today. It's the Sabbath. I'm going to spend time with God's people. And you got dressed, you got cleaned up, and you came here, and here you are. But what if you woke up this morning and you said, I'm going to go to church today, but you never got out of bed. You never got dressed. You never got in the car. You never drove to church. Did you actually will to come to church? You know you're saying that you were willing to go to church? No. You never did, right? So we need to learn that lesson. With faith and your will, they both must be accompanied by action. So when we surrender our will totally to God, we must, it must be backed up by action. When a sinful thought comes into mind, we are to reject it. That's our part. We do our part, and God comes in like a flood, and he takes care of it. Do you believe God? I do. Victory comes to us only through God. 2 Corinthians verses 10-4. For the weapons of our warfare war again, are not carnal, fleshly, right? There's nothing that we can do. But mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bring into captivity how many thoughts? Every thought to the obedience of Christ. And it all comes down to us if we're just cooperate with God and surrender our will to Him. In Steps of Christ, page 43, The warfare against self is the greatest battle that will ever be fought. And this battle is within us. And we must fight it. The yielding of self, the surrendering all to the will of God, that is, doing God's will. And basically, we can just break that down. God's will is to do the things of the Spirit. Our will is to continue doing things of the flesh. But it requires a struggle, but the soul must submit to God before it can be renewed in holiness. So what you decide in a fraction of a second when sinful thoughts or imagination comes in is going to really determine a lot what's going to happen from this day forward and about on, on your Christian walk. This day forward you have a decision to every day to either walk in the spirit or continue to walk in, in the flesh. Let us choose to walk in the spirit and mind the things of the spirit. The apostle Paul said that he had to die daily. 1 Corinthians 15.31 it's a daily battle. But at the same time, I don't want you to become discouraged if you sin. Okay? Because in this battle, you will win. And in this battle, you might have some falling. Okay? I'm, not, I'm there too. My hand's up. That's me. I win most of the time. But once in a blue moon, sometimes I slip too. And every day when I slip, Satan's right there. Look at you. you just, you're no good. God can't save you. You're... You know, that's what he wants you to believe. But we need to get up and fight again and get up again. If you fall again, just keep getting up. Keep searching after God. Keep reaching out for him, and he will change you. Do you believe that? Amen. All we have to do is trust Jesus Christ the Lord. It, it isn't some fictional story. There really is a God in heaven. Jesus is in this room right now because he told us that he would be. His holy angels here. His Holy Spirit is here. All we have to do is make the right decision and die to self. And we'll all be in the kingdom. And when that day, I won't be standing here. Jesus will be giving the sermon. Amen. 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 If you don't mind, I'm just going to have a closing word of prayer.
Dear Heavenly Father, this is such an important message that you've given us. I pray, Lord, that not only I not forget this message, Lord, but that my brothers and sisters not. And it's not my message, it's your message. Everything was the Bible and the Spirit of Prophecy, Lord. I know that you want to save us and you're, you're showing us the way. It is through Christ and through your Holy Spirit. Lord, let us die daily. Let us never give up trying. Some of the greatest men in the Bible have fallen. And they're, 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 they're known as great men, not because of their fallen, but because they kept getting up and they eventually developed a complete surrender and relationship with you. I pray that be for myself. I pray that be with my brothers and sisters. And I ask this in the only name that can make anything as possible is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior and our King. Lord, please send this Holy Spirit into our lives. And let us choose to walk in the Spirit and mind the things of the Spirit. Lord, thank you for loving us so much. And thank you for giving us these truths. Because it's, it's just, we're in the last days and we know that you want to. You're desperately trying to save us. Before you come, we know you're coming to sin, Lord. May we make a decision for you today. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen.